Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll help you be mindful of how you truly present to others. I'll also be interviewing David Horsager, who is the CEO of Trust Edge Leadership Institute and a global authority on building high trust teams and organizations where people can perform at their best and get measurable results. David is the trust expert in residence at High Point University, inventor of the Enterprise Trust Index, director of global study, the Trust Outlook, and Wall Street Journal's best-selling author of the Trust Edge and the Daily Edge. In today's episode, David and I talk about his latest bestseller, Trusted Leader, Eight Pillars That Drive Results. This book gives you a roadmap on how to become the most trusted expert in your industry. For more information about David, please visit TrustEdge.com. You may also purchase his book in your favorite bookstore. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. Being mindful of how you truly present to others. The majority of us are pretty insightful when it comes to how we present to others. And usually that's true in the moment. For example, if you're talking to somebody, you're probably able to, quote, read the room, if you will, to determine if what you're saying and what you're doing makes sense to the other person, or you're being aware of the expressions on their face or their body language, and you can tailor your conversations or your behaviors to match that. However, the way to measure if you're truly being understood by the other person or the group of people is to watch their facial expressions and their behaviors as you walk towards them, as well as when you leave. The reason why is because people may understand what you're saying and perhaps be in agreement with what you say, but are they truly lining up with you as a person or you as a leader or you as a friend? Fill in the blank with whatever role you play. When you walk towards people, do people avert their gaze towards you? Do they look down or perhaps look away or perhaps talk to somebody else? Or do their eyes light up when they see you? Are they excited to see you? Do they greet you? Those are great examples of how people either enjoy your company or dread your company. Now, of course, we don't need everybody to like us. However, if we're working with a group, you'll know how people truly feel about you when you walk towards them. Conversely, when it's time for you to leave, what is the attitude like when you leave? Are people encouraged and motivated to accomplish what they need to accomplish? Is the tone or the mood depressed or quiet or unfriendly? The beginning and end of a conversation is so important because you'll know how people truly feel about you and the reputation that you have with them. Because remember, we're all a walking billboard. So yes, in the moment, I'm sure your facial expressions, what you say is very respectful, but there may be an element there that you're missing. One thing you can always do is ask a trusted friend or trusted advisor to watch people and to listen for what people say when you walk towards them. Also ask for feedback. Yes, sometimes it can be very difficult to hear the feedback that we're given, but I know you want to grow and develop, and we always have blind spots. Blind spots are those parts of our life that we just don't see because we've done it for so long 
or we just don't have an awareness of perhaps how other people view us or behaviors that we keep doing that we just don't know that maybe aren't healthy for us. So to ask a friend how you present to others or if there's anything you can work on when it comes to your presentation, to your conversations, to how you just show up in life, that will give you the insight you need to grow and develop. You'll hear me later talk about this with my guest, but my father told me we judge others by their behaviors, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. So of course your intentions are benevolent and respectful and kind, but sometimes, <laughs> and this has happened with me as well, our presentation doesn't always match our intent. So with some of this feedback that you can get from some of your peers, you'll be able to level up really fast. And if people don't enjoy seeing you or are happy when you leave, that will start to change and people will be excited to hear what you have to say to them. I have a great interview today with David Horsager. He is the expert on trust. He's going to teach you how to instill trust in others. So stay tuned. Have you ever thought, gosh, I'd love to start my own radio show or podcast, but I have no idea how to do it. Or are you a seasoned veteran who wants to level up and improve all aspects of your show? Well, I will be working with a select few to help you either start or polish your show. These are a few topics I will teach you. How to create your brand and how to be specific with your niche and your audience. The types of equipment you should use to help you improve the quality of your audio and your video. I'll teach you how to get your show aired on most podcasting platforms, as well as give you an option to create a video podcast. I'll teach you which recording platforms are best for your needs, as well as teach you the importance of having a show clock, the do's and don'ts of writing your own show notes that will help increase the reach of your audience and generate traffic to your website. I'll also introduce you to some of my contacts and previous guests. I'll also be offering a select few the opportunity to broadcast your show on my platform and have access to my three and a half million listeners. So if you're ready to start or level up your show, then visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James and sign up today. It's time, my friend, for you to stand out and share your message with the world. Once again, visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James to get started today. My guest today is David Horsager, who is the CEO of Trust Edgeship Institute and a global authority on building high trust teams and organizations where people can perform at their best and get measurable results. David is the trust expert in residence at High Point University, inventor of the Enterprise Trust Index, director of Global City, the Trust Outlook, and Wall Street Journal's best-selling author of The Trust Edge and The Daily Edge. In today's episode, David and I talk about his latest bestseller, Trusted Leader, Eight Pillars That Drive Results. This book gives you a roadmap on how to become the most trusted expert in your industry. Welcome to my show, David. James, thank you so much. It's a treat and privilege to be here. I am honored just reading all that information. I was like, oh my God, he has so much information. So I can't wait for you to share all that with us. Now, how did you become this expert in trust? You know, uh, basically, I was asked to do some leadership work but way back in my 20s. Wow. I got invited to speak at the U.S. Uh, and teach at the uh, U.S. Coast Guard Academy. Some different things wow. happened. Wow. And basically, I had this epiphany actually before the research, mm -hmm. just seeing how actually the issue they think they have is a leadership issue, but it's not. People aren't following them because they don't trust them. They're, people aren't buying. For, they think they got a sales issue. It's not. They, they're not buying because they don't trust them. They got an innovation issue. Well, they're, they're not innovating because people don't trust each other and don't share ideas. So intuitively, at first, I sort of see, oh, it's a trust issue. And then I sort of think, well, people pay more for the trusted brand. They follow the trusted leader. They buy from the trusted salesperson. They, you know, there's a whole lot about trust, from trusting ourselves to, to uh, you know, a host of things. So that led to my grad work that became interesting to people more 
um, known than me at the time for sure. And that became, you know, then the Wall Street Journal bestseller. Then we used it in companies. The first company we did kind of significant work in, they said in nine months they saved two to four million oh. in attrition costs oh because of the increased gosh, trust. And we had a Fortune 50 company that said they gained a uh, billion dollar business unit, gained about, uh, they said, 11% market share. We had somebody. Yeah. Had, they also said, gave you kind of that as well. Right, they did. Well, they had pe- I had people say, in those, even in those early years, I had people say they tripled sales in 90 days using wow. one of our concepts. And I had people say it saved their marriage. So we, they, you wow. know, along the way, of course, it changed me, my leadership, mm-hmm. the way I parent, mm-hmm. my, uh, you know, husband, father, friend. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, so that's, that, that, that was, you know, part of the trust journey was I was interested in leadership and, and personal development, but I started to see it as a trust issue. And that really, really changed things. And certainly now I believe, I believe trust is always the leading yeah. indicator. Everything else lies. Sure. Wow. And I, I can definitely hear that because when you and I were talking in the pre-call, uh, we were really conceptualizing how that really makes sense. I think you even said from even if a child doesn't do well at school per se, perhaps it's its inability to really trust the, the teacher in all areas of one's life. I was I was reading more about your book and we'll, we'll jump that in just a second. But I, I know with the with the eight pillars of, of trust itself, how did you how did you even come up with that? Well, that was in my grad work. The first, the, the first finding was how a lack of trust, a big finding at the time. Now people are talking about trust with and without research. But back then, I think 20 years ago, very few people were looking mm-hmm. at trust and leadership or anything, a little bit of psychology stuff or counseling stuff, but not really in business leadership mm-hmm. transformation. And so my first kind of unique finding was how a lack of trust is the biggest expense, biggest cost, affects the bottom line more than anything. It's always the root cause. Most people aren't solving the root cause, at least in business leadership. They call it all these other issues, yeah. engagement, net promoter score. You don't get into higher net promoter score without increasing trust. You can get more engagement without increasing trust, whatever. So that was the big finding, how a lack of trust really is the biggest cost in organizations. And you know that that side, you can simply think quickly about without the research, just think, think of a lock. A lock yeah. is a symbol of a lack of trust. Yeah, that's a good point. And the only reason I put one on anything is because I don't trust you. So what's the cost? Well, I got to buy the lock. That's money. But the big cost is time. Now I got to open it. So that was that. They, then, then that the begged, efficacy aspect of it. Right. So then that begged the second question. Well, how do you actually build trust? Is it what everybody thinks? So that's where the eight pillar framework came from is how do you actually build trust? Because we think, I thought it was things different. You know, I thought, oh, it's, it's, uh, oh, transparency, right? People say it's transparency and mm-hmm. vulnerability. That can be helpful, but yeah. Some of your kids are so transparent on social media, I don't trust them for a second. Or, or, or you know, so <laughs> it's also confidentiality. Yeah, we had we had to think bigger about it and see that these eight components came out of that original research. Now we've mm-hmm. used them on six continents, solving everything from corruption issues to working with pro sports teams to global governments and of course organizations. And I, without I hope ego like some consultants, but with a whole lot of passion, research, and work on six mm-hmm. continents, believe you can solve every organizational leadership issue against these eight. But the eight originally came from that research, and then the fun is applied research. We're using this yeah, in everything from yeah. some of the biggest, you know, Toyota and Zoom and Walmart and, you know, yeah. Penn State and University of Nebraska and MIT, whatever, you know, so. I really, I really love how you... Obviously, you have the passion for it, but just even how you took it from an industrial standpoint, a leadership aspect of it, but also you link together the psychology of it. You know, the psychology of, of, of anything really is why do we do what we do? And so your, your, your practice or your um, expertise really encompasses all that. So all my listeners who are listening to this or, and viewers as well, uh, it doesn't necessarily have, you don't necessarily have to be in the C-suite or a leader per se. Absolutely. Um, if you are, that's wonderful. And we also see how this is applicable in everyday life. What we've really learned, even if you are organizationalist, organizations don't change. 
only sure. individuals yeah, do. Individuals so when too. one does, you know, I mean, if we don't change that police officer from taking bribes in East Africa, we're not going to stop corruption issues. So we have to stop incentivizing mm-hmm. that. Or, you know, we, we have, per, change mm-hmm. is personal. I mean, even transfer, mm-hmm. even global change is personal change. And still people, yeah. people start looking at each other, uh, people they don't tend to like with love. That's not going to change any of the isms, right? I mean, we, we mm-hmm. have individuals change, not organizations. Correct. I really like that. You know, some people may, may or may not know this, but in um, Eric's stage of development, so um, Erickson is a really famous theorist in, in psychology. And so the very first stage of development is trust versus mistrust. And that's from an infant standpoint, from like we're really born until about 18 months old. And what that really does is it helps a child or an infant recognize, well, can they trust this person or do they not? So once that's trust or mistrust, that determines their ability to um, be able to create long-lasting relationships or trusting relationships. And what that, that concept of that, the emotion that we're trying to create from that is actually hope. So if you can trust something, you hope that it's going to be something that continually is long-lasting. But unfortunately, people who aren't, who have that, developed that mistrust aspect and that, how that would look is in a child um, is crying and their needs aren't being met. And so the ability of the parents or the care, caregiver is to really understand, well, that cry means this. And so they understand that their needs will be met because they obviously can't fend for themselves. And so from a really basic um, psych- psychological standpoint, that's how we as psychologists, we bring that in. And then you take that from a foundational standpoint and you magnify that and globalize that to then take it from a basic standpoint. So if someone has that trust or even if they don't, they can learn how to have that in every, inter- in every interaction that they have. I'll tell you two things about that and I'll get more authentic or open or vulnerable than I've probably been on the 100 podcasts I've done this year on the second part of it. First of all, I'll say the, the, the outlook research shows mm-hmm. when, you, when we ask people if they lead with trust or lead with suspicion, the opposite of trust, there's mm-hmm. about in America right now about 50% either way. And wow. so our wow. point isn't uh, for leaders is you need to build the pillars either way. People want to you know, be mm-hmm. upset with people that lead with suspicion or skepticism. And for me, I grew up in a really a safe loving environment so i tend to lead with trust and i've been ripped off because of it and you know lost uh, whatever yeah, but saying, yeah. but on the other side um people want to judge those that lead with suspicion when in fact almost always something not very good happened to them within probably like you said eric since the first 18 mm-hmm. months mm-hmm. in our work in the last 18 years at least something mm. it could be something as terrible as abuse to um sure. a host of other things but the, the, the point for leaders, at least, is whether you're working with people that lead with trust or lead with suspicion, and you, you, you either way, you have to build it every day, and you can. Okay, right. so that's A. Right. Now, I'll get open with you uh, on, the, on that second part. I regret terribly right now. I have an 18-year-old, uh, 16-year-old, 14-year-old, 12-year-old. Um, I regret terribly a book that Lisa and I read about parenting. We read lots of books. We're big mm-hmm. learners. Um, sure. Sometimes you got to trust yourself, though, especially yeah, you if do. you've been right. You love your neighbors, yourself. You know, people that don't mm-hmm. love themselves at all. They're not yeah. very fun to be around. Same with trust. You don't trust yourself at all. You often poison others and you, because you don't believe anybody can be trusted. That's a good point. Yeah. So we um, we read a book about parenting that said you to sleep through the night. You let the kid cry. You don't ever let them mm-hmm. in your bed. You mm-hmm. don't let read that. certain things. Right. And I I can see in. And, and we have great relationships, all four kids, grateful because, you know, I think overall a healthy, positive mm-hmm. environment. But I still feel like something in that in that firstborn, we were so rigid because of this thing we thought we were trying to do 
Sure. Well, with parenting, I deeply regret this. Um, nope, just let her cry. Nope, just let her, you know, she's supposed to, you know, do this or teach them no at 18 months. It's like, uh, I, yeah. I just, yeah. I, that that actually regret is still, Yeah. Know. Well, I, I appreciate you being vulnerable with that because I'm sure so many parents have done that, you know, and probably even listen to this right now. And the great thing is, is you learned. And unfortunately, your, your daughter received something different. But the fact is, the tenacity and the resilience as one's taught can always over, yeah. over, yeah. overshadow totally. that, can always be fixed. So that's a beautiful thing. Um, when you look at the whole aspect of just trust overall, what would be the, the way that someone who may be mistrustful or may not have that trust, how, how do you help them be aware of that? And then as they interact with someone else, how do you make sure they can take that mistrust, turn it into trust and present it as trust? So therefore it's an authentic dynamic between two people. Well, it depends on which side of that coin you're on. But it, okay. it, how you build trust is is actually more scientific and absolute than you might think. Mm -hmm. So okay. it is um, building trust with others always comes down to these eight components, and they they're, they're in the book. And I'm you know not trying to sell it out. I'll share anything possibly I can. I'll give anything away I can. But the eight pillars of trust they they don't be tricked because they're C words that there's some kind of motivational eight C's deal. There, there are eight research funnels. And for clarity, we use C's to remember and see and, and stickiness. And, and frankly, most of them uh, came out of the research funnels. The top word was C, but, but oh, interesting. I'll, 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 I'll kind of say them really quickly. So we build trust basically Clarity is trusted. People trust the clear and they mistrust or distrust the ambiguous. That doesn't matter if you're telling a kid to clean their room or if you're uh, leading someone in expectations or vision. We trust yeah. clarity. Even in the midst of ambiguity, be as clear as you can about what you do know. We, now, the second one is compassion. We trust those that care beyond themselves. That, that, you know, if you, if you don't care, even if you don't care about me, if you don't care about someone or a mission or something, the next one is character. We trust those that do what's right or what's easy. That's kind of that bribery thing. We also see organizations incentivizing bad behavior, right? Incentivizing a lack of character, like a pro sports team we worked with, they, they had incentivized sarcasm so much that it actually hurt the team dynamics. We incentivize in isms and, um, you know, bribery, whatever. The next one is competency. You know, I, I might trust James to take my kids to the ball game because of character and compassion, but not give me a root canal because of competency. So in the way you want to be trusted, ah, you have to be competent and capable, right? I, I need yeah. you to be capable to do that thing I'm trusting you. The next one is commitment. We trust those that stay committed in the face of adversity. So, you, you know, Mandela, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Jesus, or Joan of Arc, I mean, they were, they were, they were trusted because they were committed to something beyond themselves. Mm -hmm. And then connection is the next pillar: connection and collaboration, the willingness to connect. If I go into organizations, they siloed, they won't share resources for the greater good. But we see this in individuals too, an unwillingness to share, and that always hurts trust. And yeah. the, 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 the seventh pillar is contribution. This would be the best one to have a different word on, and that is results. We trust mm -hmm. results. You've got to contribute results. Yeah. You can't just have compassion. You've got to contribute the results I expect or ask for. Mm -hmm. Final one is consistency. We trust. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah the, those, yeah, for good or bad, right? If you're late all the time, I will trust you to be late, right? How do you build a reputation? Consistency, good or bad. How do you build a brand? Consistency. So this eight, I, I don't want to, you know, this is the how, and there's deeper ways. So if I'm, um, you know, I'm an employee and I want more trust from my senior leader. It's this way. If I want more trust from my kids, it's yeah. this. If I want more trust from my spouse, it's these, it's, it's a mix of these, but, um, these always do. So people say, like, you know, like I said before, engagement, uh, no, 
it's not that we now know the research shows the only way to increase engagement is to increase trust. Or people say, David, you like C words, right? Isn't it, <laughs> isn't it ever a communication issue? At the core, it is yeah. never, ever, ever a communication issue. Communication is happening all the time. It's the type. Clear communication is unclear, yeah. isn't it? High character is, low character, consistent is. So now under each of these, as you know from the book and all of our deeper work, we have ways to build each of these. But if at least people listening today could write them on a napkin and frame, oh, that's a clarity issue. That's why we don't trust. Oh, that's why they don't trust me. I'm not showing compassion to them. They're not buying from me because I don't care about them. Or clarity, I'm a salesperson. I'm really clear about how cool I am and how long I've been in business, but I'm not clear about the benefits of the product. Oh, that's, you know. My dad, yeah, my dad used to tell me we judge others by their behaviors, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. Totally. So a lot of that, it just goes to the authenticity and the presentation and understanding that, yeah, I may have great intentions, but if my presentation is not totally. being congruent with my intention and my behavior is totally different, then there's a huge disconnect. So these words, by the way, that you just used are really good. Like um, I think you earlier said empathy and just said mm-hmm. authenticity. Those actually fit under the pillar. So we have like steps or acronyms like like compassion. Four of the core ways we show compassion, at least in the workplace, are the laws of compassion. We say, listen, uh, appreciate people. W, wake up. Laws, L-A-W, wake up and be present. That's really about being present. S, serving selflessly. So uh, authenticity and empathy would be keys to, uh, we put authenticity under the character pillar, empathy under the compassion pillar. But see, some of these other words, you'll find a place for them in this framework. So you know, the, the C word is meant to represent a research funnel, but it's, you know, the funnel is, is um, totally so powerful, but you might use some words that you use and some of the Erickson work and sure. everything else yeah. that, that fits to fit there. Yeah. Help us understand yeah, different language, how I build trust. Yeah. Correct. Now people, when they read your book and they look at these eight, eight pillars, how do they, because not everyone's going to have the book all the time. Yeah. What would be a way that someone can just start to remember this or just maybe pull out some of those C words to be able to say, okay, let, this is, let me at least look at this clarity, uh, consistency. How, mm-hmm. What's a way that they can, a quick application that people can start to remember this? Well, yeah, you also asked something earlier that I jumped over and you asked, how do you judge it? So we do have measurement tools. We're happy to give someone okay. free a self-assessment or the trust diagnostic. We have, you know, we have enterprise trust index. We're doing consulting in massive organizations, but you could get, if people go, uh, let us know, we could uh, either, you know, we have, we have uh, trusted certified coaches if you want help, but on, um, but also I could give you like self-assessment or a trust diagnostic. So you can kind of think through them like, oh, how am I doing on this or that? Or that's why I'm mm-hmm. not trusted. Because a few questions under each of those would reveal it. Outside of that, um, I, I like the two you, you, you started with, the t- top pillar and bottom pillar. They're not important, but the first pillar and last pillar. And just saying, is there any lack of clarity here? Or is there any, um, are we inconsistent anyway? here those mm-hmm. two but you could look at all of them that we have questions for sure. each one so like under character uh, we might ask we ask three key questions one would you follow you would you know mm-hmm. like would you buy from you mm-hmm. um that's a great question <laughs> yeah number two would be do you have decision making values a lot of people have values mission vision but they don't have values they make every decision by i tell a couple stories in in both of the books about this process that changed the congruency and character of a leader and made them much more trusted is, is powerful. Mm, interesting. And the third question is, is there any way in yourself, in your family, in your team, and in your company that you're incentivizing a lack 
of character that you say you want to have. So that that can go from macro incentivizing bribery when you we want a higher GDP in Kenya and we want these things to happen, but we won't get it without unless we stop bribing. It could go all Mm -hmm. the way to uh, what happened at Wells Fargo when they were incentivizing salespeople in a certain way and they lost billions later, but they incentivize Mm -hmm. the incentive was against their values uh, to, 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 like I said before, reinforcement, incentivizing sarcasm or incentivizing Mm -hmm. laughter at certain jokes or whatever. Right. Mm hmm. Correct. You know, and just even thinking about that, you know, going back to the whole uh, clarity aspect of it, that's one thing when I do couples counseling, I work with individuals, it's you always want to, before you react, so if you have a spike of something, you always want to ask, can you tell me more about that? Can you be more clear on that before, you know, I'll have a break. Tell me more. That's a great, that's a killer <laughs> exactly. line. Tell me more. Please tell me more. Yeah. I need to know more. Uh, but that's, that's so true. I, and I really like to see in the whole aspect of the incentivizing. So just basically reinforcing. So, you know, even for a child or any of our friends or people in relationships with, if they say something and we don't give them any response, well, then we're incentivizing them to find something so that they can get a response from us. And so if, you know, for a child, if, if I'm not giving them praise, so then they will want some interaction with me. So of course they will act out. So now I'm giving them that interaction. So I'm incentivizing that negative behavior. And that could be anything at all from when it comes to performance improvement plans. It can be from anything in the organization itself that you as a person always have to be mindful because you're always incentivizing something. And so to be true and aware of what that is allows you to be a healthier, more authentic person, more transparent, more consistent. And that allows your individuals and people with whom you work to know that you are always going to respond this way because for one, you're, you're in the moment. You have that ability to really be present. And in that, that's how, in my opinion, and you're the expert here, in my opinion, that's how, how one's... Um, Trust level increases, and then we have the ripple effect or the cascade effect, and that trickles on to everybody else because now everybody else is starting to incentivize that which you incentivize. I agree with that completely, and maybe something here. And I know we we got all we're getting a lot in in a short time, but yeah. how do I trust myself more? Well, yeah. this this fits under the commitment pillar, and that is the same way we rebuild trust. Many people think they rebuild trust with the apology. It's totally not true. You never rebuild mm-hmm. trust with the apology. Doesn't mean you don't need to apologize. We've all made mistakes. That opens communication, but the only way to rebuild trust, it turns out, is to make and keep a new commitment. So, Correct. Because, okay. So that, uh, and by the way, to, so to tie this, uh, I remember I had the CEO say, we've got a bunch of lying apologizers here. They all say they're sorry. And this guy says he's sorry every day. I'm sorry I'm late. No, you're late every day. You know, okay. he didn't trust on the apology, trust when mm-hmm. I make and keep a commitment. But to your point, when we, uh, you said, uh, like your dad said, we judge others on their intent, uh, on their behaviors. Uh, behaviors and ourselves on our intent. This is so true. And it comes under the commitment pillar. Don't make commitments lightly. Um, when I make and keep commitments, I actually start to trust myself more. So when mm. I lost 52 pounds in five and a half months in 2011 and now mm. kept it off, a big part of that was making a commitment with myself and keeping it. And my trust muscle in myself went up. And that allowed me to trust other people more because, well, I can trust myself more. Maybe other people can be more trustworthy. Yeah. And that goes back into also just, um, well, congratulations, at least not that way. But that goes back to creating rules for yourself as opposed to guidelines. I can have a rule like, James, you are not going to do this ever again. You're not, or you do this, you know, on on Saturdays, whatever. Um, But the difference is if it's a guideline, well, that guideline is always going to move based on our emotionality or whatever we think or what's happening. And so I think that's the difference is when you create these hard and fast rules when it comes to really trusting yourself, and you can trust yourself because you're, cons- once again, consistent with that. And you know that you're not going to break it. Absolutely. 
We have just flown through all this. This was so much fun. I mean, we're, I think you and I, we talked so fast. Sorry, my listeners. Yeah, you just uh, you can slow the track down. You can hear yeah. <laughs> but David, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. If my listeners want to find out more information about you, uh, to learn everything about you, and to also purchase this book, Trusted Leader, Eight Pillars That Drive Results, where would they find this information online? Well, the big the, our, our company website is trustedge.com. Trust Edge, okay. Trust, E-D-G-E. There's some specials right now. You get a bunch of free stuff. You go to for the book, trustedleaderbook.com. Trusted Leader, not the, just trustedleaderbook.com. And we'd love to serve you in any way. And of course, we align a lot with what you do, James. But um, yeah, I, we, we're passionate about this trust work. And thanks for so much for having me on. Been a joy for me to get to know you too. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. My listeners also know that if they cannot find this information in any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I will give you all the information for David. Thank you so much, David. We'll talk soon. Thank you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.